Welcome to Game Face, episode 201. We got over the hump, Matt. Hmm. Past the big zenith. Uh, the new site is out there and launched. Uh, we got a bunch of new shows. We just put up a new episode of Sifted HQ this morning. Uh, if you guys remember, we just launched that show last Tuesday with uh, 200. The new episode up today. There also should be a new episode of Spoiled coming up here in another day or two. I'm not going to spoil uh, what movie or TV show that is or who's going to be on it, but look for that a little bit later this week. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for all the kind words about everything that we've done. Uh, the the website, uh, the game face overhaul, uh, the new content that we've added, uh, pretty much the response has been overwhelmingly positive, which on the internet in 2020 is a rarity. So thank you guys. I also want to thank the people who have actually like sort of dug through the site and found little issues. We are in the process of fixing all that stuff and getting it all handled. Um, probably the most common complaint I think we got was that the site was running a little slow, and that was accurate for the first few days. We found the problem, and it was fixed yesterday, so now it's running like butter, which is awesome. Uh, most of the other issues were really small. Uh, we had some issues with certain browsers, like people changing the background color on the site. Little stuff, none of the big stuff, which could uh, be a, a major problem. So uh, Brent is a superstar. I don't know if he's on the stream today, um, but it's amazing what Brent did. <laughs> we had very little QA uh, before the site went live, and honestly, way fewer issues than I thought that we would have. So Brent's a genius. I think we knew that already. <laughs> he did an amazing job on the site redesign and the site rebuild. Uh, still more stuff is coming. We've just kind of taken the last week to kind of get everything that's currently live uh, working and fixed up to optimal ability. Um, and then over the next week or two, we'll start adding some of the stuff we've been talking about. But thanks to everybody who uh, retweeted when we said we relaunched the site. Uh, that stuff means a lot to us. It makes a big difference. Uh, we did have a nice influx of new users for the first few days, um, which is great. Uh, we have not started our marketing campaign yet for Sifted 2.0. There's I've, a marketing campaign? There will be, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, we have a budget for marketing that was kind of baked in all along. I've been talking, actually. I hope we get wrapped buses. <laughs> no, no, no. no. It's, a, it's more like Facebook ads, oh, Matt. Yeah. Although, maybe I could use a, an image of a wrapped bus in the Facebook yes. ads. <laughs> I've actually been uh, talking to a couple sifters who work in digital marketing, uh, one in the UK, one in the US. Uh, to try to make sure that we're maximizing the money that we spend on marketing. But honestly, the best marketing of all is just word of mouth. Um, mm -hmm. So if you guys love the site, if you love Game Face, if you love Pactor Factor, if you love Sifted HQ, whatever you like, um, retweet it, tell people about it, share it on Facebook. All that stuff adds up. It makes a big difference for us. So Maybe we can get a rap bus at E3. Yeah, that's possible. If E3 happens. <laughs> if it happens, we'll get to that. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, the coronavirus, the biggest story in the world right now, hands mm -hmm. down. And we're going to talk about it here. Washed hands down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and let's toss to uh, our man on shower duty today. That's Mitch Sikorsky. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, what's up, guys? Nothing much. <laughs> That's a better angle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, la last <laughs> week we, like, barely had time. It was mm -hmm. a mad scramble. Like, honestly... This still isn't what Sifted is supposed to be. This isn't si or Game Face. This isn't mm. Game Face 2.0 yet. Uh, there are plans for Game Face in the works as far as how the... I don't want to spoil it. But we've been having massive technical issues trying to get it to work. And I worked on it all week and still don't have them ironed out. So here we are still. 
uh, kind of in our old style. However, the show, as we talked about earlier, is in fact going to be about an hour, an hour and a half today. So I wish us luck with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People watching the show, first of all, it, it takes some doing to take a show that's normally around three hours and get it down to an hour, hour and a half. Um, there's going to be some bumps in the road. Um, for those of you watching, I'm not mad at Matt if I cut him off. I'm not being a jerk. <laughs> We're just trying to get the show down to a time. And both of us, it's something both of us are going to have to learn and try to get down to that time. So we're used to just saying whatever we want. And when we're done stopping, mm-hmm. we're going to have to curb that a little bit for the new form of Game Face. But anyway, here we are in March. Uh, finally, it feels like the world has stopped ending for video games. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any big games. Oh, well, hi, March. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> We don't have any, like, gigantic games that are out for review for this week's show, but we do have a really big game to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to play Ground Blue Fantasy Versus, but it didn't go up on the PSN store until this morning for some reason. It couldn't pre-order. You literally couldn't pre-order it on the U.S. store. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that was about. There was some speculation it was related to the character pass that was going up at the same time in Japan, and they didn't want to spoil anything or something. I don't know. So that'll be next week, I guess. Yep. Um, but yeah, starting next week, we'll start talking about big games, and probably from then mm-hmm. it'll roll on out. I'm glad that we're, we're within visual distance of Doom. Yeah, we are. I'm glad, and and Animal Crossing. I'm glad that we're doing this show first to try to cut the time down before we have a bunch of games to talk about. So it'll help us kind of understand how to shape each discussion to mm-hmm. get it in X amount of time. So here we are, Game Phase 201. Hope you guys are doing great. Um, I hope none of you guys have the coronavirus, and that transitions nicely into our first topic. Um, so I started hearing really early last week that GDC was going to be canceled mm-hmm. uh, through the grapevine, through some connections that I have. Um, and then the cancellation started rolling in. A couple of the guys tried to stand pat and continue to be at GDC. Uh, once other publishers started bailing, then it was just like dominoes and everybody bailed. Mm-hmm. Um, so GDC officially has been postponed mm-hmm. uh, to summer. Matt, is GDC canceled? Probably. Yeah, it's canceled. Uh, in part because like you can't double up on that with E3 being there, assuming E3 also doesn't get canceled. I don't think E3 will be canceled because uh, people paid for tickets and the ESA isn't going to want to refund that shit. Um, I mean, GDC is in the same boat. Yeah, I but saw, G- GDC uh, is industry, though. It's yeah. not public. If I saw public in- pay for tickets, I don't think it's going to get canceled. Comic-Con's gonna, not going to get canceled either. WonderCon's not going to get canceled. DragonCon's not going to get canceled. I saw Andrea Renee last night, one of our colleagues, say that she has to eat her flights and everything up to mm-hmm. San Francisco because the cancellation came on such short notice that you can't get refunds for your flights. Um, so there's a lot of people who are going to lose a lot of money, not the least of which is GDC, how do you recover from having an entire year off from your biggest event of the year? Um, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, this is happening kind of all around. The Olympics might get canceled I know. if things get too bad. I know. Um, now, I don't, you know, it's it's uh, an interesting situation just because we don't know a lot about the virus and how sick it makes people outside of, like, the immunocompromised and older people. You know, there have been six deaths in, in the Seattle area. Uh, I believe five of those have been older or immunocompromised people. Like so, it is a threat. The the, the mortality rate is estimated around two percent, which compared to the flu is point one percent. Yeah, uh, so, so like that's hundreds a huge, of times more. That's a huge. I mean, and in the end, like we don't know if people are getting mild symptoms. They don't know they have it. You know, it might yeah. be more around one percent, but that's still a gigantic number for something that they expect forty to seventy percent of the human population to contract in the next twelve months. I do find it um, weird. So that I understand canceled. like what they're talking about here, but like we're all going to get it. 
Like yeah, it's I know. so it's transmissible yeah. that like it's it's you know that's just until there's a vaccine like we're just sort of gonna have to ride ride the we're gonna, a lot ride of the ragged gonna, edge of disaster. Well, yeah. I mean we're gonna all get it and we're gonna yeah. fight it off for most of us. That's not gonna happen majority, for everyone. Two yeah. percent um, doesn't sound like much, but it's, it's a, lot a lot at scale. And also yes. keep in mind that the estimates right now for someone over sixty-five is more like thirty percent mortality. Yeah. Right? Which uh, that's that's scary. Gigantic. I like, think that, about my mom. A, yeah, exactly. Like if yeah. you do get it, don't don't hang out with your parents. Yeah. Um, we're talking about something that because of that age-related mortality factor, you are talking about something that would change civilization. No, oh, I know. You know, I know. like you know, if if this doesn't get handled within a year, like we're talking about, you know, it could be cold flu and uh, uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, 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 I, I, Yes, or wrong. Corvid is a Covid Covid nineteen. Right. Yeah, yeah. It could it could be the new the new normal, uh, which is not a good normal. I am surprised they canceled GDC because I just went to see the Penguins play the Kings last Wednesday with yeah. twenty five thousand people from I mean, all yeah. over the world. I mean, I'm going to Disneyland yeah. tomorrow. It's Yolo. Like, why? Like, you know, like, <laughs> why am I going to a hockey game and no one cares? But. Every, some other things people do care. I don't know. Why is that? Well, I, I kept thinking, I know this isn't true, but, like, I kept thinking about how when Sony canceled on, uh, like, PAX, and people were like, they just didn't want to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Um, it's just, yeah, there's a little bit of that, I guess. And also, like, it's just people panicking a little bit. Like, you can't get hand sanitizer in Los Angeles right now. It's gone. It's all gone. How about we leave it for the people who need it? Right. How about like us people who are younger don't buy that stuff and let the old people and the really young who need it get it? Yeah, we just need soap, really. People are so freaking selfish. It drives me bonkers. Anyway, um, I was surprised to see them cancel it personally, but I had been hearing for days that it was going to be canceled. I mm-hmm. kind of hinted at that in one of the blurbs on the site. And then days started passing, and I was like, ooh, maybe I got bad information. I'm going to look bad. Nope. I was right. It just took them a long time to finally come to the decision. Uh, Matt, would you have any reservations about going to GDC right now? No, I was actually thinking about yeah, doing that either. to see some people. Neither. Like, I don't. I don't understand what's going on. I Panic. mean, again, I'm a young, youngish, yeah, he- yeah. healthy. You know, I don't have any immune system. I, have, I haven't had the flu since I was ten. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm very resistant to viruses, so I'm not too worried about it personally. If I, I was get over it 60, while would, be, would I go to GDC? No. Yeah. But they just then just don't go. You can still have it for everybody mm-hmm. else. I don't want this to turn into something that like ends GDC for good because it could happen. Mm-hmm. What about E3, Matt? Is it going to happen? I think it will. I mean, because I don't think the ESA is going to be willing to return everybody's ticket money from the public. And the public is not just going to eat that cost if it does get canceled. Or I guess you could reschedule it to November and it really will be E for all. Um <laughs> Look for, look that one up if yeah. you don't remember yeah, E for go All. Go to Wikipedia and look up E for All. Ooh. <laughs> we Ooh. definitely don't want to go back there. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all I can think would be something like that. You know, and, and I guess I guess E3 would make sense to kind of be concerned about in the sense that it's a giant international destination event um, that puts you in the heart of a city that hasn't really had much of an outbreak situation yet. By yeah. then, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like L.A. can't escape that. For, oh, for no long. way. It's too, it's too it's much inevitable. international yeah. destination. There's too much shipping coming in now here and, and various tourism things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't... Uh, Do you think people will go to E3 if they have it? Yeah. 
What what if the paranoia by then is just ratcheted up so high? There's always going to be people that just don't care and are the problem. Like the like the guy who posted a video earlier this morning or maybe yesterday about a guy who was going around like an open soup bar and just taking the ladles and drinking out of them and testing like, testing each soup. And it's just like that's why we're all sick. Yeah, people. you can't like, do that anymore. But they do. But people do. They, no one. There's there's always going to be that contingent of people that just don't get it. Yeah. And, or don't understand germ theory or don't believe in germ theory. There's a lot of that going around. I mean, the anti-vax movement is not going to help any of this. How about they head on over to China? They can do all the research since, oh, you wanna, since you, they're not going to get it. If you want to prove that, that's, 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 that's your chance. That's a good way to do it. Chance Here's to your prove chance. germ theory is a hoax. There you go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is going to be a continuing story. Uh, there, it seems like we curate at least one piece of content about the coronavirus every day on Sifted. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon, to be honest with you. No. I mean, it's uh, it's just the zeitgeist right now, and until we figure out what more about this thing, um, it's going to continue, and people are going to be increasingly nervous about being in large groups, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the real solution, because it's so contagious and the incubation period is so long, estimated 14 days at times, uh, you just have to wash your hands more than you're used to. Wash them correctly. Seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah. Like, That's you know, a long all time. Over. Yeah. Hot or cold water, doesn't matter. And don't touch your face. The, yeah. most, the most likely way you're going to get this is by touching a surface that has the virus on it and then touching your eye or Matt, touching your, your nose. I trained myself to not touch my eyes years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have not been sick in years. It's, that's it's, how you get sick every time. That is when much you rub, more likely. If you're tired and you rub your eyes, that's yeah. how you get sick. Yeah. Even if you shake hands with someone who has it, you're probably good as long as you don't touch your face after yeah. you It has that. to get inside your body. Yeah, it has to get yeah. in through through some kind of orifice. Yep. <laughs> I hate that word. And um, <laughs> and the next, the next word I'm going to use is moist. <laughs> Everybody um, hates that word. <laughs> But um, that's also a condition that is conducive yeah. to. And rem- uh, I also remember just not to be paranoid about things like you know yeah. the, the, it is kind of a general flu. Like, coronaviruses are pretty pretty common type of flu virus. Uh, the you know that's an article about someone SARS who had it. and MERS, and, and like, she was like, it's not bad at all. Yeah, the trick, yeah. the For trick, people it, like us. Yeah, but the trick to remember is that one of the defining characteristics of this one is a shortness of breath. Yeah, which flu doesn't doesn't usually give you. That's true. Um, so if you do have trouble breathing. Get thee to an ER. Yeah, or, and put or it back over your head something. and then go to the ER. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's your sign. Yeah, yep. So anyway, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this again because it's not going to go away. We'll talk about it again as e- the ESA yeah. starts a message. I mean, for once, Trump might actually have a point where he says that the warmer months might cause it to be less of a problem because warmer temperatures do sh- generally shorten the lives of viruses outside of the body. And uh, means we all go outside more. Like, like that's what causes cold and flu season is that every it, weather gets colder, everybody stays indoors together more. It's not has nothing to do with anyone being cold or wet. It's entirely because we are in closer contact with people in a concentrated environment more often. Yeah. Um, so as yeah, the as summer temperature has no effect on no. viruses as at summer all. Happens, Bacteria it does, but yeah, not virus. As summer happens, you are going to see it's people just go a out more. It'll, it'll be yeah. it'll be probably less immediate. Yep. But uh, this thing's going to be with us for a while. Um, What's going to happen to the so. stock market? Ooh. Good question. Holy moly. I mean, I do My know... My 401k is crying. I know a few people in kind of high-level investment world stuff, and they are battening the hatches like 2008 style right yeah. now because they don't, they don't know. Because the problem is, like, it's all related to panic, and it's like... like it's not even how much you know the market or how much you know economics. Right now, it's about how much do you trust people not to lose their shit. Yeah. And... A lot of these people I know are like, I don't trust them at all, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think it's going to get real bad, so yeah. buckle up. Yep. 
um, which is bad news for anyone with a 401k. Yep. We'll come back to this again. I'm sure of it. Uh, yeah, the ESA. Be, this is not the last event that's going to get affected by this. I'm yeah, sure. and I think the ESA will eventually have to come out and go on the record a little more officially with what it plans to do. Yeah, hopefully in time for people to cancel some flights that's if they I'm really decide about. to do that. Exactly. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a brand new game from a studio called People Can Fly. You may remember them. They are the studio behind Bulletstorm, which was like mm-hmm. a combo-driven first-person shooter. They also made Gears of War Judgment which was kind of the spin-off of Gears of War that was not done by Epic or at the Coalition. Um, it was passable. It wasn't as good as other Gears, but it was passable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a rough facsimile Adequ- of... Adequate. Yeah, adequate. That's a good way to put it. Um, they are, it, or it is working on a brand new game called Outriders, and it is a four-person cooperative loot shooter with cover mechanics. Basically... It's uh, the division with gears mixed with gears of war. Um, although the division, you could argue, is, is already mixed with gears of war. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a cover-based Thanks shooter. Thanks for that fifty-eight gig update yesterday, Division Two. Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's out today too. Yeah. The the big expansion to the Division Two, and it's what thirty bucks, I think it Something is. Like that. Um, I don't have it. I just I bought the I bought the base game for three dollars the other week. Yeah, and haven't played it yet. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so the plot behind this is if these games really need plots, um, do they? I mean, there's a bad thing, and they they have red health bars, and you have to kill them before until they, the red health bar is they, gone. Before your green health bar goes away. That's basically <laughs> the story. Uh, so there is kind of a climate change eco angle to the story in this. Um, the environment has gone south on Earth, and Earth is becoming uninhabitable. And it's your job to find a brand new place for humanity to survive. Um, there is a plot in this game, and it, it is pretty story driven. Um, I know, don't know that I have played a loot shooter yet that had a decent story. Destiny, maybe? I mean, a couple of the DLCs for Borderlands 2 I thought had fun stories. Yeah. I don't know if i call them good stories, but they were entertaining. Yeah. That's about as far as I'd go. I, I also would argue that they're not all that important after no. the certainly first, stuff like, like, 20 like, hours. Certainly stuff like Division and, like, the original, you know, original Destiny, no. Yeah. Um... So, as I said, they are actually describing it as Gears of War meets Diablo. But do you think everyone, mm. every other studio that makes loot shooters would call their game the same exact thing? Pretty much. I yeah. mean, that's really what the genre is. It's like, a, well, this does have cover-based mechanics, and it is third person instead of first person, which makes it a little bit more like Gears. But Gears meets Diablo, I mean, that's loot shooters. Yeah, I mean, it's also Hellgate London, but I don't think yeah, anyone yeah. wants to compare their game to that. So. <laughs> uh, what, so... People Can Fly said that they are actually getting tired of making shooters. And, I can understand that. Yeah, and they didn't want to make another one unless they felt like they could come up with an angle that would make it feel unique. Um, and so what... Mm, good what, job. Yeah, well, what the, well, one thing that they have done and one element of the game that they said they focused on was they wanted to try to recreate trench warfare from World War One in a sci-fi shooter. Um, and... The basics of that is cover shooting, but there are actually sections, and we'll get to them eventually in this B-roll, where it actually is in trenches, like it's World War One, where you can't really get the lay of the land, and you don't know what's around the next corner. How do you like level design like that, Matt? Uh, I mostly find it frustrating, yeah. uh, in part because trench warfare is not fun. Yeah. Uh, no warfare is fun, but right. trench warfare in particular is, uh, I mean, it's kind of like, 
the problem with World War One was like no one could get in, make a gain any ground. Like no, no one could do anything. Like it was like it was like it's also a very specific situation where it was like the first modern war where like you didn't have tactics to get around a lot of these like things. You were using sort of old tactics mixed with new technology that sort of short circuited each other, so no one could make any headway. And the idea that you would end up in that scenario with like a science fiction scenario is a little weird to me because by definition you're going to have technology that can circumvent the idea of a trench. You know, yep. like you are going to have artillery. You, you are going to have <laughs> orbital bombardment. You are going yeah. to have some kind of way around the idea that the other guy is in a hole 15 feet from you. Yeah. you know, like that's that's an odd way to go with this, I think. Now, another thing that they did, one of, one of their focuses anyway, was customization and flexibility. Um, the customization options in this game are insane compared to most loot shooters. You create your own character from the beginning, and obviously as you collect loot, you get new stuff to adorn your character with. It's it's a tried and true gameplay yeah. loop for this Although it's genre. interesting because looking at these the footage, I would never, ever guess that. Really? Because they all look They all kind of look the same? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've been seeing here in this last bit of B-roll, you've been seeing the, the specials mm-hmm. and... So the other thing that they wanted to make sure that they created, they wanted players to have a feeling that they were controlling superheroes. So they have kind of gone above and beyond with the specials and the finishers, and obviously being a sci-fi game helps with that. Um, but, you know, compared to things like The Division, it's a, the attacks are a lot more elaborate. Um, each character is a lot different as far as how you can... It's not just everyone firing an M16 or an M1 Garand. Um, the weapons, they, they, they did a, a stream just for the weapons in this game that lasted like eight minutes long. Hmm. So I think on that angle, it's kind of like Destiny more than kind of the other games in the genre. Um, but I think it's looking pretty promising. I will say this, though, Matt. I am I'm getting to the point with this genre where I don't really get excited for them anymore when I, when I hear that there's a new one. And no. I mean, that might just be saturation. Um, I don't I don't know 100% why I kind of have this negative attitude towards them. Or maybe it's because well, the last few I, I played haven't been great. There's that also. So, like, I, there's nothing visually in this that makes me interested. Like, it's just terrain and lightning. There's trenches, Matt. And there's not, like... <laughs> It looks like everything else. And it that, does. Which is, which is silly because there isn't really anything else that looks like the floating stuff with the lightning everywhere and all that shit. But it's like, I don't know. It's just there's nothing here that jumps out at me and makes me go, oh, I want to be there. I want to experience it. I want to see what that is. There's nothing. There's, you know, I don't know. Maybe Anthem really broke me. I, I, I can't tell. <laughs> maybe, that's my, maybe that's my problem, too. Maybe it was Anthem that just crushed my my fervor for this genre in general. I don't know. I just, I used to be really excited when these, when new games in the genre were announced. And when I saw this one, I was like, ah, oh, check it out. Like, mm-hmm. I just didn't have I also spark. didn't like Bulletstorm very much. Oh. I, I've never really liked People Can Fly's take on stuff very much. They do try um, to do things that are different. I'll give them that. Yeah, I mean, it's not that, like, I think that what they do is bad. It's just not for me. Yeah. So I am kind of extra skeptical on this one just because they're, they're not, they don't make stuff that really clicks with me. Okay. Um, I'm not... Bulletstorm was not, an acquired taste, for yeah. sure. I mean, I'm not... I'll, look, I love the I, I'll kill your dick line. That's, that's <laughs> one of my favorite lines of the generation. But the rest of the game, I did not find compelling at all. Okay. Um, which is just... Which I recognize is me, because a lot of people love that game. But, uh, yeah, this would have to have word of mouth through the roof to get me to even really touch it. Okay. Uh, the game is coming to all major platforms, minus Switch. They're targeting around the end of the year. Uh, we'll see if they make it. 
Uh, they have been working on it for quite a while. They started with the 40-man team, and now since Square Enix is publishing it, they're up to 200 people developing it. So that should help. Yeah, uh, that's good. To make sure that they hit their, their deadlines and get the game out in a decent amount of time. I wonder, like, so like, do you think there will be next-gen versions of this alongside yeah. those? Like, yeah. yeah. There would have to be. I, I think so, Otherwise, it's going to buried. Yeah. Undoubtedly. So, I, I mean, being be. the only game of its type on the new systems could help it. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Okay. We're going to move on. We're going to talk next about Baldur's Gate 3. Or, wait. We're going to talk about Half-Life Alex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know my rundowns, all screwy. Um, we're going to talk about Half-Life Alex. So we got the debut trailer for the game, and then it kind of went radio silent. Um, however, the game is coming out in a couple weeks, and so Valve is finally starting to promote the game. And I don't know if you saw it or not, but yesterday Valve put out three gameplay, raw gameplay videos from Half-Life Alex. Uh, we have them here for you. Uh, we, we stitched them all together into one piece of B-roll. It's the first time we've really got a look at how the game actually plays. Um, you can only get so much from a trailer, and these are four, five-minute chunks of the actual game, what the gameplay loop is like, what you're going to be doing, what the controls are like, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Matt, did, did you think that this game was going to be kind of a free-moving shooter based upon the trailer and stuff? No. No? Uh, also just based on VR. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it might be, but it is not. No. It is basically a... Now, you can go wherever you want, but once you plant your feet, you're basically stuck there like a tripod. Mm -hmm. um, for the best that I can tell, you cannot shoot and move at the same time. Um, they ha they use the teleport mechanic where you just point the cursor at a point on the level and you just zap there and you're there. That should help me with my motion sickness right. problems. And although, also, like, there may be a way to change that. Like, I've played games that use the teleport thing that also let you do free motion if you want to. Um, do you think they would have shown that in the gameplay? Not if, necessarily. Yeah. It makes me nervous. Um, now, again, for me personally with VR, because I do get motion sick... It's a godsend for me that that's how they're doing it. I just, as somebody who doesn't get motion sick... Chat's from saying here, that it does have free motion. It does have it. Interesting that they would show this when they show the and gameplay Vin for the first time. Vincent says it's in the second clip. Oh, interesting. I looked at all... I watched all of them. I didn't see any of that. Mm -hmm. I just saw them using the cursor. So there's a little cursor that shows your two feet. Uh, and you point at the ground, and then you just click, and you zap to wherever you your cursor was. Um, the game itself appears to be designed for that, though. Um, there's a lot of cover in the game. Um, enemies tend to stream kind of from the same direction. Uh, I did see one case in this B-roll where you're on a train and enemies come in from both sides, but then there's like a quick turnaround feature, kind of like mm -hmm. what you see in a lot of survival, old survival horror games uh, where you can flip around and you can still handle enemies from both directions. But generally, the, based upon what they've shown so far, it's one of those games where enemies pour in from the same direction. Maybe they take cover as they pour into the area, and then you just kind of have to sit still and kind of pick them off. Now, what makes this game Half-Life is what you're seeing right now, the environmental puzzles. Um, and I think what Valve was doing when it released this footage is it wanted to show players this is the amount of time you're going to spend doing X, Y, and Z. And based upon this footage... It looks to be about a 50-50 split as far as navigating environments, solving puzzles, and combat. Um, 
the the combat I don't feel like uses a lot of the new technology as well as the puzzle solving does. So when you see the puzzle solving stuff in this, that's where you really see like the new knuckles controllers like really being put to good use. Um, that's where you see a lot of the motion control stuff being put to good use. Um, on in Valve footage, it looks smooth as butter, man. Is mm-hmm. you know a lot of those that knuckle stuff like you see it in action. Movements look jerky. Hands teleport or disappear and then reappear. Now I'm sure Valve set up ideal conditions yeah, to very, capture very this. Very carefully captured footage. Absolutely, sure. I, I'm I'm certain of that. But at the same time, it does. I mean, even when you watch trailers from other VR games, you can still kind of pick up on the the jank, for lack of a better better word. Um, I don't see any of that in this. Um, and again, the motion controls as far as being able to just move your arms the way you want to, to reload your guns, to pick stuff up, um, to pick up objects to solve puzzles. Um, there's some puzzles that are like holograms and you have to like reorient the holograms in specific ways. And it just, th- this game, and here's a perfect example of it. This game just really shows off all the new functionality of VR. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to upgrade to play it, though. I want to play it so badly, but, man, it's just such an expensive proposition. I don't see it coming to PlayStation VR ever because no. I, it would not run on it. Maybe PlayStation VR 2 someday. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to have an opportunity to play it. I certainly can't afford to drop a G on... What do you have? You just have PSVR? That's all I have, yeah. Well, and I, mean, I regret buying that. I wish I had saved the $400 and put it towards yeah. something better, to well, be I mean, honest. You can come play it on my Vive if you want. Like, I got to hook it up. But I guess I should. You should absolutely. I'm gonna have. We're gonna have to rely on you to play this, Matt, because yeah. <laughs> I can't play it. God, I'm just not looking forward to. I think you're gonna like up. it, man. Once you get into yeah, it, yeah, I'm just not looking like. forward to hooking all that stuff up. The, the the old the vibe is not a a small setup. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a whole wires and yeah, cha- yeah. changing the layout of the of the room. I get and the it. Whole thing. If there's um, one game that should motivate you to do it, though. This is it. This is it, though. Nothing's gonna come. I mean, along nothing else. It. Yeah, you're right. Nothing else is coming. But it's like it's also not also not enough for me. Like, wow. I don't care. I right, really do you have just... a huge affinity for Half Life? No, not really. Oh, okay. I mean, I like it. I like Half Life. I like Half Life Two. It's not the end of the world to me that it ended. Uh, I also am probably a little soured on it because they treated it so poorly over the last. Was it been sixteen years? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I recognize its importance in the history of things and how it revolutionized how first-person storytelling is done in games. Uh, it is not – it wouldn't make my top 50. Wow. Okay. So I'm shocked to hear that. I never, knew that. I never knew that about you, Kyle. Portal might, but yeah. Portal would. But, yeah. like, Half-Life has never been the end-all, be-all of anything except, like, oh, that's really clever to me. And I'm sure this is also really clever, but I also don't care what happened between Half-Life 1 and 2. Do you feel like this represents Half-Life? If So let's say you take out the character models, the head crabs, and the enemies. Looking at this game, would you I be mean, able to tell it's Half-Life watching the, someone play it? Sort of. Like the, the, the focus on physics-driven stuff and sort of the freedom to yeah. put, you know, put the bucket over the camera yep. and sort of like that sort of stuff is sort of the free-form element that Half-Life 2 sort of uh, pioneered in terms of using its physics engine as well, I think. I, I, I can see the pedigree beyond just the the head crabs. Yeah, me too. But um, What about visually? What do you think? Looks good. I yeah. mean, slap a screen door effect on that thing and yeah, drop it's not the frame be quite rate a little bit. It's like I, I mean, I'm using an old rig and an old, you know, old, the you know original Vive headset. It's not going to look like this. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it'll look fine. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. Playable. What about this footage though, in particular? Looks okay. I mean, do you, can you think of a VR game that looks better? Um, not off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. I can think of VR game footage that looked 
as good as this, but didn't look that good when you actually right, played, played it. it. You know? Which could be the case with this. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, do you th- think that's this not is, really Valve style in my not, experience? But yeah, do you think this is a killer app for VR? No, no. I think it is for a certain audience. I don't think it's a killer app for the mainstream. You don't think it's going to change mainstream anything? Doesn't, mainstream doesn't know what Half Life. No, is. you're right. They don't have no clue. They have no clue what Half Life no. is. They probably maybe heard it one time, but they don't know what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that. I think the people who love Half Life probably had Valve's VR stuff on launch day, and have probably been hoping and praying for this day for the last like three years, and it's finally here. So I'm happy for those folks. I really wish I could play it. I really wish they released a 2D version of this game. I get why Valve's I don't not going to do it. I know what that would be. Like it's it's so immersed in the the VR and motion control idea that I don't know what you I don't know what you do to make play, make this thing playable without all the without VR and without the motion controls. Like you, it's a different game. Yeah, it would point. be, but I still would want to play it. <laughs> I promise you, Alex makes it to the end. Yeah. <laughs> like that much I think everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's coming here in a couple weeks. Um, if you don't have a kick-ass VR HMD, then you're out of luck pretty much. You might be able to make it run on older stuff, but it's probably not going to be the experience that you want. I think particularly what you really need, I mean, though, none of it's – nothing on the market is going to make it look like this. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be a screen door. There's always going to yeah, be – Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, even some people don't have the controllers to really get the most out right. of the game. Like, they don't have the knuckle stuff. Yeah, where I don't have the knuckle thing. I, I just yeah. have the, the original Vive control. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. Probably um, not as immersive to have the you know, the finger stuff, but – yeah. Are you glad you invested in the Vive way back when? You got the best what it was no. available then. No, you're not. I mean, I had fun with it for like a year or so, and then I just never yeah. picked it up. It again. became too much of a pain in the butt, right? Yeah. Honestly, other people had more fun with it than I did. I mean, people used to come over and play and stuff, and like they they enjoyed it more than I did after a while. Yeah. The, the novelty wore off pretty fast. Yep. Because there was no content coming out. That happened to me, too, with PlayStation VR. I used it for not even the first year, and it was like a party trick yeah. when friends would come over for pretty a while. Much. And I mean, I I would I used to say like you know at the end of the year when we tried to evaluate all that the year all that came out I was like well, you know I would never tell anyone else to buy one of these yeah I'm not super sorry I you did say it, that all along but yeah. like I'm like no if, unless unless you will never ever 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 miss that money again do not buy a VR headset because it's just it's the definition of luxury item conspicuous consumption nonsense yeah so I mean um, games are kind of that anyway but like VR is that times ten at this point. Maybe not forever, but... Yeah. One thing I will say about this is when you do get a chance to watch the footage, the atmosphere mm-hmm. is Half-Life. Um, just the, the kind of the drones and the dirge, like, sound effects in the background. It's just... It's really, really heavy on atmosphere. And I think that, even more than maybe the head crabs and some of the character models, kind of clued me in that it was Half-Life subtly mm-hmm. and subconsciously more than some of the more overt stuff. So... I'm really excited for it. I really wish I could play it. Um, it's probably not going to happen for me, unfortunately, but I'm very happy for those of you who do get to play it. Um, you invested the money, and now you get to reap the rewards. And I would argue that the people who did invest the money have been waiting a long time to reap the rewards. So the day is coming, people, very soon. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Valorant, or Valorant. I'm not exactly sure how to say it yet. Um, it is Riot's... People are calling it Riot's Counter-Strike Killer. Uh, We talked about this game a couple months ago. It was called Project A. That was its development name. Uh, They finally given a final title called Valorant. I'm assuming it's Valorant. 
but I think the valor in the title is something or, they want or you to. Valorant. Or Valorant. I don't know. Like, it could be, <laughs> Everyone's wearing like fuzzy shirts from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the Valor shirts from back in the day? Um, so finally this week, new information came out. They gave out the official title. Uh, there has also been a bunch of uh, hands-on previews. There's been a bunch of gameplay that's been released. Um, and Riot isn't the one calling it the Counter-Strike killer. Riot's like, no, this is just our hero shooter. That's kind of what the editors at various publications have decided to call it. Do you see the Counter-Strike? The, the way I see it as Counter-Strike is the environments look really basic. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only correlation I really see to Counter-Strike. I mean, I guess you say Counter-Strike because there's a lot of crates, and um, Counter-Strike is sort of the thing with the, the most uh, longevity in that space. So, like, you want to talk about competing with... And it has this kind of thing where, like, you know, you're you're getting rid of the peekaboo stuff, and yep. like, you're, you know, they're clearly targeting it as a very hardcore competitive game with an eye towards esports rather than like, oh, come in and have fun and play Overwatch with us kind of thing. You know, like, it, it feels like Counter Strike is the thing that stays you know, while all these other things sort of pop up and go away, and Counter Strike is just always here. Sort of yeah. like Team Fortress 2. It never, it never goes away. So it makes sense. For, for, for a company that defined a genre the way League of Legends did with Riot, like, it makes sense to me that, like, you... Uh, it makes sense to me that you want to compare... You compare it to something that has staying power. The knife, I think, probably made a lot of people think it reminded them of, of Counter-Strike. The knife, obviously, a prominent element in Counter-Strike, not so much in most other shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare, melee and knives are a bigger deal this time. There's like these canned animations to like finish people. Um, but other than that, it's not a big element in a lot of first-person shooters. Um, so I, maybe that angle of it has people kind of interested as well. Also the guns. It's like a sci-fi game, but the guns are pretty real world. Yeah. Like They're not really like crazy sci-fi guns. It seems like the over-the-top stuff is basically reserved to, like, your specials. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, you just have typical, you know, assault rifles, SMGs, stuff like that. And, again, maybe that's kind of the part that's drawing people towards Counter-Strike or drawing those comparisons to Counter-Strike anyway. Um, one thing I will say is that Riot is very good at developing characters. So a character-based shooter, they should have no shortage of um, of creativity to make sure they're constantly flooding it with new content. I still would argue that, to me, it would have been smarter if they used the League of Legends roster for this game. Um, I guess I can kind of understand why they wouldn't, uh, but I think it would have made the game a lot more varied. I think it would have created a lot more built-in interest for the game right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, because Riot's Riot, and people, a lot of people are going to check it out no matter what. But I think for people who don't care about Riot and don't care about League of Legends, it's going to be a tougher sell. And... Uh, I don't know. It's um, their name carries some weight. I just don't know that it, if it's enough weight to launch a a new IP with all brand new characters, particularly when you have this roster of literally hundreds of characters that you've worked on for years and years. And as a League of Legends player, I would love to play a shooter with Mike the characters I play as in League of Legends. So it, it seems like maybe a missed opportunity to me. Um, the characters I've seen in this so far have not been particularly compelling. No, um, I, I mean, mean I you, we just watch like you, you, whatever, Riot can do whatever they want. I mean, it's like yeah. I mean, like they print gonna, money every day yeah. from League, but like watching that five or six minutes of B-roll right there, was there a single character that stood out to you? No, me either. I, that's I mean, a that's problem. not my kind of game anyway. But like, 
No, I just it. But like the first time you saw Overwatch, were there characters that stuck it stuck out? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the first time I saw Overwatch was in a more finished state. Like, yeah, I don't, I that's don't, true. I don't. I don't know how far along this is. I don't know if we're even you know meant to be judging this on that level. Like who knows? Well, what once you let the press play it, let them report yeah. on it. We're we're it's but fair who, game. But who knows what it's going to look like in the end? Uh, yeah. it's also just not my genre. So nothing. Did you ever get into Counter Strike? No, God, no. I never did either, man. I tried a bunch of times. I always had friends that were like, yeah, let's play Counter-Strike. And I'd play it for like an hour, and I'd be like, I, I know, I don't like this. Mm. I don't know what it was. Like, I'd like shooters in general, but it's just never clicked with me. The closest anything like that I got into was SOCOM. On, yeah, on that's similar. 2. That is similar. Yep. So Valorant coming to PC, it's definitely going to be coming to everything else. You don't make yeah. a character-based shooter without... Putting it out everywhere. Yeah. That's Saturation the idea. is key. Yes, yeah. So I'm sure it's going to end up coming to even Switch eventually. Um, but as of right now, it's just being like shown and demoed for the PC. Um, no hard release date yet, although it seems to be farther along than people think. Even though most of the previews from journalists basically said, "Great core, lots of work left to to be done." Mm-hmm. So it is Riot. I would not expect this game to be to come out until it's crazy polished. Um, so I think hoping for this year is a bit of a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably guess end of year next year, middle of year next year. I uh, mean, they're supposed to do a beta soon, yeah. so we'll see something. The game looks really plain. Yeah. And Riot did say that it wants the game to be able to run on, like, nothing. Mm. And you can kind of well, see it that. It looks like it could. It looks like could. it could, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, again, that's a free-to-play thing. Like, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that it can run on as many... Uh, platforms as possible because you're not getting that 50 or 60 bucks every time someone wants to play it. Mm-hmm. You have to rely on them getting hooked on the game and then wanting to spend on microtransactions. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think it's auspicious being able to see the gameplay for the first time. They gave us a couple little snippets when they first showed it, um, but being able to see a little more, I think the the whole idea started to coalesce a little more for me. Mm-hmm. Still seems weird for Riot to do a game like this, but it has to make other games someday, right? <laughs> it can't just mm. keep, or could it? It could keep living on League of Legends. Either that, or you can just change it to, to Riot Game. Right, yeah, yeah. So they're trying. I mean, I'm it's looking trying. forward to the, the fighting game. Yeah. But that's a long way out. And that is League of Legends characters, yes. if I remember correctly. Yes. And maybe that is a better avenue for them to kind of stretch their way. Maybe, but I mean, they, that's... Not even close to alpha. Yeah. yeah so we're, I mean, that's probably a 2022 game. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. If, if, well, they if also lost kind of like their lead developer, mm-hmm. which isn't good. So that generally means you're setting it back a good six months or so. So we'll see. Um, but I think it was an auspicious debut for Valorant. Like, I want to hear more about it. I want to learn more about it. It's going to be free to play. So everyone's going to be able to just, you know, jump in and give it a go. And sometimes that's the best marketing you can get. Letting mm-hmm. people play the game if it holds up and it's good. So we'll see. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Project GG, and that's not for good game. Um, I, not, I, yet, anyway. I, not yet. Not <laughs> yet. I struggle to figure out what the GG stands for. Maybe you figured it out? Not that I can think of. Okay. So this is... There's not a lot of info to go on. Nope. On there's one. not. And this is going to be a very short topic, but I want to show this game because, to me, it looks very cool. Uh, this is a brand new game from Platinum, and as of right now, it's called Project GG, and that will change, undoubtedly. It's just its working title right now. Um, Platinum has all kinds of crazy stuff going on right now. Uh, this is considered part of the Beautiful Joe Wonderful 101 trilogy. Hmm. Can you see that? Um, well, there's there's like a kaiju element to yeah. it. So, yeah. I, I, it's not super removed from the kind of the Power Rangers idea. It's just a little darker looking. Yeah. Um, so Maybe GG stands for Giant God. That's possible. Or something like that. It, it could be. Absolutely. Um 
what I get from this is Ultraman. Yeah. And I realize a lot of people who are watching this probably have no idea what Ultraman – Mitch doesn't know what Ultraman is. Mitch, are you in there still? Yeah. No, I had no idea what Ultraman was. He had never heard of Ultraman, man. Hmm. Can you? Are you surprised by that? Um, not super surprised, just because like Ultraman is. Um, I mean, it's the predecessor to a lot of like the Sentai stuff that became Power Rangers, but it hasn't really had much Western presence. They they didn't stop making them. There's, there's yeah. Ultraman series. All it goes over the on place. and on. Yeah, and it does look like Ultra like that. That does look like Ultraman, but. Um, no, it doesn't really surprise me if people don't know that. Like, a, someone younger wouldn't know that. Yeah. See, I mean, I a lot of people our age don't know what Ultraman is. So. See, I compared it more to Pacific Rim. Hey, Mitch, turn your camera on, bro. Oh, sorry. Pacific, <laughs> I mean, Pacific Rim is definitely a descendant of uh, of the Ultraman stuff and the Power Rangers stuff. But more Ultraman, uh, Gigantor, uh, Voltus V, Mazinger kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because that's where that's where Del Toro's influence came from for that. Uh, whereas the sequel was definitely more Power Rangersy um, and was not as good as a result. Um, but the uh, yeah Ultraman was the was kind of brought a lot of the Godzilla what was called suitmation stuff to television. That was a TV show that used reused a lot of the same suits from the big Toho movies. Uh, in fact, Godzilla's suit is in a couple of old Ultraman. Uh, episodes, they just stuck like a sail on his back and called him something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, we should be clear what Ultraman is actually. Yeah, he's a gigantic robot. Robot is he? sort of. Uh, he's a yeah, steel man. Much. I like, guess he's, he's, he's a guy. <laughs> he's a regular guy, usually like a like a test pilot or something like that. And he gets he has a magic or like super advanced gun. And he basically can use it to shoot himself with a ray that makes him grow to a giant monster-sized yeah. metal man who can shoot beams out of his hands and yeah. stuff. Uh, and he fights giant monsters that are Kaiju. here to yeah. yeah, I mean, so Pacific Rim is not, you know, definitely influenced by... Oh, yeah. Um, it's like the modern Ultraman. But, yeah, but it's it's a, it's a superhero thing more than a giant robot thing. It's true. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just look it up on YouTube. You'll find some stuff. There's plenty. There's a lot there. And, you, and you'll suddenly realize how many super moves and JRPGs and stuff are, are referencing Ultraman and how he moves his hands when he shoots beams out of them and stuff. There was also a pretty good Super Nintendo game. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It was okay. You got something to say in there, Mitch? Yeah, I was just going to say, when you told me about Ultraman, it's on Netflix. Oh. So if you wanted to check oh, it right. out, they do have a version on Netflix right now. Which means there's probably like 8 million episodes to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's been going since the 60s. So yeah, much like the Power Rangers, you know, the stuff, the, the shows the Power Rangers are based on are older than me. Yeah. They've been crazy. around since the 70s, have come out a new season every year since then. I mean, the Power Rangers stuff is based on real old stuff. I mean, that's where um, Voltron comes from and all those yep. old cartoons. The idea of combining robots comes from a lot of that. How do you feel about Platinum doing a kaiju game? Big, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm into it. Like, I'm I, just glad to see him break out a little bit. Yeah, do something. Yeah, and it is their own game. I think they're self-publishing. They're, they are, right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I, loved, I, I like a lot of what they do, but I feel sometimes they're sort of just, because they work for contracts so often, it feels like a lot of times it's it's sort of like uh, the problem um, Nolan North had for a long time where, like, he just sounded like Nathan Drake in every game, yeah. and people were like, "What's going on?" And it's like he's like, "Dude, I can do any kind of voice you want, but I just go in and they say, just do Drake." They want him to, to sound like yeah. Drake, and so I feel like Platinum has been doing has on this <laughs> role. Been doing Drake, people, basically, yeah. People can be like, "Oh, we hired you to do a, make a Platinum game, so right. make a Platinum game," and like yeah. you get like that kind of like 
That's a good know, point. Kind yeah. of reheated hack and slash game that yeah. like sometimes it's inspired like with Nier Automata and sometimes it's uh, not. Yeah. And uh, I think like Transformers, like Transformers, <laughs> yeah. And I think you're kind of seeing uh, or the Ninja Turtles game, yeah, and stuff like that. Another yeah. one. Yeah. And I think you know if, if these guys can get cut loose a little bit and do what they want to do and do it on their own terms, like that can only be good. Yeah. And I love like weird, like unique takes on the kaiju idea. In imagine in games. Platinum's like, combat, like with where kaiju, in, where buildings right. are exploding. And like and... where in the hell is my. Uh, Remake remaster of Robot Alchemic Drive. Yeah, people. that's like, not happening. No, <laughs> no, they're too busy remaking Bayonetta for the a robot time. Robots kill people. A robot killed or grandma. Vanquish. They're too busy bringing. Look back up these Robot Al- Robot Alchemic Drive on the PS2. People, it's, it was a yeah. it was a, a watershed game for me and no one else apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have never heard of it, so. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. It was well, obscure. That's why, that's why yeah. I say look it up on YouTube because you ain't finding a copy. Most people call it rad. There's a lot of ra- yeah. It's, it was abbreviated to rad here because they didn't trust Americans. Because we're to Americans say, and to we're say stupid. alchemic. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. But it is yeah. It is crazy amount. It's yeah. Cra- it's also hugely long. It's like a it's like a forty hour game. Like it yep. never ends. I mean, a lot of Platinum's games are way longer than you think when you first start playing them. Mm. Like the the licensed stuff, not so much. But their own games, like a lot yeah, of them, look, they're a lot longer than you expect. Yeah, and before. they do the kind of the the. The um the Nintendo thing where it's like oh you finished you finished normal difficulty huh <laughs> now the real game begins yeah kind of it's like so uh usually get your money's worth yep I'm excited for this I yeah. think it looks awesome I do wonder how far it is I out. don't think it's very far it seem... um they haven't announced anything like that no platforms no, no release date and no this, then this is part of their four announcements yep mm. yep all right sounds like not all of them are going to be games hmm yep sounds like they may be doing some other stuff so. Good luck, Platinum. Your game looks hot. Uh, hopefully it takes shape, and we'll uh, find out a lot more about it in the not-too-distant future, although I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see anything for a while. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right. Next, we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3. Um, anecdotally, um, one of the developers working on this game is on Sifted. Um, he is, I believe, a, one of the sound guys, hmm. and I'm not going to call him out because maybe he doesn't want people to know that, but there is someone on Sifted that's working on this game, and... Um, we had known about it for a while. We knew it was coming. The last Baldur's Gate was released in 2000, like November 2000, I think it was. So mm-hmm. it's been almost 20 years since the last Baldur's Gate. Unless you count the Dark Alliance games. Right, which we won't. Spinoffs. Really. <laughs> which we will not. Um, and those, when was the last one of those, though? That was like the PS2 uh, era. That was 2004 yeah. was the last one. That, yeah. was a, that was a weird one, too. Cause I, so I just picked up copies of those two games. Oh, really? I realized that I didn't own them. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but I picked it. The first one was by Snowblind, yeah. which no one remembers anymore. They, they got absorbed by Warner Brothers, yeah, I think, gone. around 2008. Yeah. Um, and then the f- they, they made their own engine for it. It was called the Snowblind engine or the Dark Alliance engine. And then uh, Interplay uh, had contracted, I think it was Obsidian, to make Dark Alliance 2. And they used the Snowblind engine and apparently did not have permission for that. And Snowblind Studios sued them over it, sued Interplay over it. Um, and that's why uh, Dark Alliance 3, in part why Dark Alliance 3 never happened, but also because Interplay collapsed like a fly in a cupboard. Yep. And every th- uh, Dark Alliance 3 and Fallout 3 were the, like, the two main thing, games that went away after that. So, yeah, it's been a while since the Baldur. I mean, there was a Baldur's Gate when they did the enhanced editions. Uh, they did do a new module for Baldur's Gate oh. uh, and put that out, which is apparently pretty good. I have not played it. Apparently the new Baldur's Gate um, pen and paper RPG module is a sequel to that. 
somehow. Hmm. Um, Baldur's Gate's back in a big way. Well, the uh, first thing we should have said is it's based on Dungeons and Dragons. Right. It's D and D. So it's Forgotten the- Realms, Dungeons and Dragons, classic. You know, not the classic uh, setting. That's probably Greyhawk if you're a, if you're a classic D and D nerd. But like, Forgotten Realms is probably the setting of D and D that um, video game fans are mo- most familiar with because that's the one they make. Yep, all the stuff. Out of. It was also the setting for uh, what was that? What was that uh, Demon Stone? You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, uh, which was also tangentially related to Baldur's Gate because yep. a couple characters were shared with it. Um, made so by, yeah, made by Stormfront Studios, I think. Yeah. So there's tons of d20 dice rolls in this game, and not only that, this isn't one of those games where the dice rolls are going on underneath the hood. There's actually like an icon in the bottom of the screen, mm-hmm. and sometimes it even pops up in the middle of the screen showing the dice roll. Yeah, which I think is a direct uh, influence from Divinity Original Sin. Yep. So that's what these guys made: Divi- Divinity Original Sin yeah. one and two. There's before jumping guys. on this, which Larian, which is they, those are turn-based RPGs, mm-hmm. and this is also a turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. Some people are not happy about that no, Matt. because Baldur's Gate one and two were real time with pause, like Kotor and all the so many other. Uh, um, Bioware games because Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate was peh, Baldur's Gate was a Bioware game. Yeah, um, I don't mind the turn-based thing, and in fact, I find the turn-based stuff that that Larian has done with Original Sin to be uh, generally a better approach than Real Time with Pause. Because I find Real Time with Pause, while it works, is sort of messy most of the we'll time. We'll be talking about that actually next. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, I find it messy and sort of an inelegant solution, and it feels like something that was sort of good enough at the time. But like, the original Sin games have have expanded on how you can make something exciting and sort of interesting with turn based so well that I would yep. rather see Larian stick with the stuff they're best at. Yeah, particularly than, this developer. It's yeah. it's so good at turn based combat. Why not let it do what it does best? Yeah, I think that makes tons of sense. Yep. So I, I agree. it doesn't bother me at all. I think people get over it pretty quick once they start playing because I'll just tell you right now, this game looks freaking amazing mm-hmm. and insane. It is so deep. Like I was yeah. Oh actually no I got I mixed up. This game is a sequel to the pen and paper module that just came out. Okay. So it's this is sort of the continuation of a new era of Baldur's Gate content that gotcha. that D&D has started to focus on. Okay, uh, quick story synopsis. Um, you're basically the victim of a mind flare. Uh, it takes control of you and infects you with a tadpole that will turn you into a mind flare. So you're infected with a tadpole. You're dropped off on this planet. You don't know what the hell's going on, but you land and you know you need to find a cure because if you don't find the cure before you turn into a mind flare... You're ba- basically your life is over. Um, once you start meeting people, the tadpole actually has functionality, though, because if other people have the tadpole, you can do what's called a mind meld with them. And that actually becomes almost a replacement for your charisma stat. So if, if you have the mind meld ability and you're talking with someone else who also has it, you can actually jump big portions of the dialogue trees. Um, so it's it's something that could be a blessing and a curse, I guess, depending on you know on your perspective and within the context of the game. Um, but the objective, obviously, is to get rid of the tadpole that's actually like right behind your eyelid, which is really creepy to think about. But the objective is to get rid of it before you turn into a mind flare. That's sort of the overall goal of the game. Now that's just. That's just scratching the surface on this game. Uh, the the dialogue trees, the conversation trees in this game are like gigantic. Like some of the options that I saw had like eight choices to make 
uh, when you're having a conversation with someone. Uh, Larian is saying that all of these are going to go off into places that you want to go, and they're going to support um, a payoff for this stuff, which is something that doesn't happen a lot with games. Uh, a lot of times you go through these dialogue trees and you end up in the same exact place mm-hmm. you would have if you chose something else. Well, this does seem like a good opportunity because th- there's been an elements of that in the original Sin games, but like now that you're doing a license that has some money behind it and that it has, more importantly, um, like a built-in audience, this is your chance to take some... For, for a company like Larian, it's a chance to take some risks, expand out with some of the stuff they've always wanted to do and know that no matter what they do with that, it's going to have that built-in audience that will come give it a chance. Speaking of of expand out, much like people can fly, once Larian signed this game, they staffed up. Mm -hmm. And they employed some folks from Telltale. So... Uh, probably really good hires for a game like this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want to hire people who only... F- and this is the mind meld that I was talking about. This mm-hmm. is footage of it right here. So that obviously that girl also has a tadpole. Um, and then the dialogue choices are altered because both of you kind of have the mind meld ability. Yeah. And that's a, Larian's done some interesting stuff with kind of the mental power ideas because one of my favorite... I like the original Sin games a lot, but I also really like uh, Divinity 2 Ego, Ego Draconis. Yeah. Which was a more action RPG. It was an action RPG they made real janky on the on the 360 and PC. Um, a lot of fun if you can find it. It's also backwards compatible on Xbox One now. Okay. But um, it's an action RPG and like it's pretty simple and easy. But like one of the tricks is one of the powers you can get is the ability to read minds. And if you're willing to spend like one experience point to read somebody's mind, you can sometimes find out important information or sometimes just find out funny stuff. Yeah. It's actually a very funny game, and. So I'm actually kind of ex- doubly excited that they're doing this with the kind of the mind meld thing because Larian has shown in the past that they have a real knack for using kind of the psychic and mind reading powers to enhance what you're already yeah. doing in terms of storytelling and character work. So that's a really good fit for them too. Yep. Um, terrain is a factor in the game as far as like your elevation. Mm-hmm. If you're higher or lower than enemies, that has an effect on how the combat plays out. Um, another big element is what... Larian is calling uh, surfaces and statuses. It's a system inside the game. Um, Basically, it's an elemental type system. So they said that if you throw a torch into water, it creates steam. And then that steam has actual physical properties that can either help or hurt you. So steam can burn you. It can actually hurt your character. Um, These are are also all in the original Sin games. The environmental and elemental usage. You can dip swords in fire and they'll catch flame. It's part of their kind of just their ethos as a developer of these games and it really works. And there are broken things in the original Sin games that are like, okay, this is the most efficient way to do this or like Poison is definitely better than every, any other affecting thing or whatever. But it gives you room to play. And if you haven't played the original Sin games, get off your ass. Yeah, like, you can also find them really for like good. five bucks at this point, too. Yeah, you, you, the, 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 I mean, the, the, on the console, they're more expensive because they didn't come out. They came out more recently. But, uh, yeah, on PC, you can get them pretty cheap in almost any Steam sale that comes around or like... You know, they go uh, the original. The first one goes on sale pretty hard on Xbox and, P- and PS One, PS Four, r- fairly regularly. Like, they're good. Like, they're they're really interesting takes on the, the, this kind of an idea of, of RPG. And I think anyone who likes Baldur's Gate that has played those knows that like they're they're probably the number one pick to make this game. Production values through the roof for a game of this mm-hmm. type. Lots of cinematics. Lots of fully animated characters. Uh, the Telltale folks. Um, a note on what they've been working on. Apparently, some of the tells during conversations are very subtle, like a slight 
ITIC mm. or uh, uh, jutting the jaw out. Those are things that you're supposed to look for while you're in conversations to try to judge sort of the character in the direction of the person that you're talking to. Mm. Uh, the, the systems in this game just run so freaking deep. Um, and, and basically, Larian said the one thing they want everyone to take away from this game that plays it is the sense of discovery and exploration. So there's just stuff hidden everywhere. There are rewards for poking around and trying to dig stuff up. Um, I love games like that. I hate games where you go off the beaten path and then you're like, why did I do this? And a lot of games are that way. There's like no payoff. You go down this long hallway and there's like one little health thing down there or whatever. Mm -hmm. It looks like they're going to focus on that. Sounds like someone's been playing Skyrim. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So as of right now, it's supposed to release around the end of 2020. They said they aren't sure. Um, if it was going to make I it. I think we'll be seeing this in March. Probably. That's my guess. They didn't commit to before the end of the year. They said yeah. somewhere around the end of the year. This feels like a uh, fiscal year yep. barrier. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like by the end of next March, but yeah. it'll slip to February, March. Probably so. Um, and then the other thing is it's coming to PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Larian claims that this cannot run on PS4 or Xbox One. So I believe it. So this is not coming to either one of those consoles. At least they're saying that now. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they maybe farm out a port and try to get it running on the other consoles. Um, but for now, this is just PC and Generation 9 consoles. So, mm-hmm. um, And looking at it, I can understand why they would yeah, say... Yeah, considering the amount that's going on under the hood here, it, it doesn't surprise me. that You're not even talking about graphically here. You're nope. talking about like... You know, just raw, just raw load. Yeah, exactly. So. And you start thinking about all the systems going under the hood. That's just key, CPU yeah. just getting beat up. So yeah, you need you need some teraflops, son. You do. <laughs> you need at least twelve, apparently. Uh, so anyway, that's Baldur's Gate three. I'm really excited for this game. I don't play a ton of isometric RPGs anymore. I used to because they were kind of the yeah. genre on PC. I played a lot time. recently because of the Kickstarter. You know, right, the Pillars of Eternity and yeah. Torment and. Uh, Tyranny, like there's been a lot of good ones. There have, yep. So. And it's good to see them coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a, an old D and D player. Uh, this is right in my wheelhouse. Uh, these guys have proven that they can make great games in the genre already. Uh, I have very few uh, reservations or trepidation mm-hmm. about this game. I, I think it's going to turn out great. It's just a matter of when we get to play it. Yeah, this will be a because uh, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be this year. But I feel like this is going to be a. Uh, a high contender? A high, no, I think it's going to be a high pick in next year's fantasy draft. I think it probably will, too. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our last topic of episode 201. We're doing okay, man, for time. Yeah. We're doing all right, man. I'm impressed. Hmm. <laughs> I'm impressed with us. Uh, our last topic. We'll see how we do on a, on a yeah, we'll see week how long when, like, this three goes. games come <laughs> yeah, out. I know. It'll be tougher, for sure. Uh, our last topic of today is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, there is a demo out there right now. It launched yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only about, I mean, I think it took me like 35 minutes. Yeah, or, it's about half an hour. Yeah, 40 minutes to get through. It's pretty much the E3 demo with, as Mitch said, a couple of things tacked on the end of yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of Mitch, Mitch, you played this like four times, right? What What was your purpose of playing it so many times? Yeah, so I played it three times. Three um, times. So I played it one time through in normal with just using the command system without the hotkeys. So then when I did the second time around, I only used hotkeys for my commands with my ATB bar. And then the final one, I played in classic mode because I was just curious on the significant difference between the two. I preferred uh, my second playthrough with the hotkeys. Oh, okay. Um, as more of an action game, it 
wasn't as breaking up everything. Like mm-hmm. it had a good flow to it overall when I just put everything in the hotkeys. And I also just got better with the combat system in general. So I was kicking ass on the second time around. I played it once. <laughs> and one, and for me, once was enough. Uh, man, where do we start with this, Matt? Um, <laughs> I mean, I played it once too just because I didn't have that much time. Yeah. But like, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. It is um, technically visu- visually, it's amazing. Yeah. The the difference between the 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 in the the cutscene character models and the in game character models is almost un undetectable. Yeah. Like it's really impressive. It's one of the best looking detail. games I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Especially like in terms of the the expressions on the faces yeah. and like act, like just visual acting on the characters' faces, which is not something you get out of Japanese games all the time. Uh, so it's true. It's doubly impressive. There's a there's a nice moment when uh, Barrett is doing his rant about the environment and the planet on the elevator, and uh, Jesse and Cloud just sort of have this moment where they sort of look at each other like, mm, what's he talking what's about? He, what's he on about? <laughs> um, which is nice. Uh, the music's never sounded better. Um, I've my, One of my problems with the original Final Fantasy, I have many problems with the original Final Fantasy VII, but my, one of my main ones is the music sounds like garbage on that screechy, weird MIDI yeah. bank they used mm-hmm. uh, and and like w- bad for that time even like it doesn't have to sound like that and I always thought the, co- co- the compositions of the music in Final Fantasy 7 were really good and so that's why I bought like the the you know the soundtrack they did that was recorded by an actual orchestra and at the, back in the day and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, finally the soundtrack done justice. The soundtrack um, gets repetitive. Though. It is repetitive because I mean, that's how it's RPGs like that are. same like. Diddy over and over and over yeah, but again. Yeah, it's catchy. I mean, yeah, and uh, but you know the opening with the Final Fantasy theme and the the infiltration theme and the I mean they're, they're, it's all there and it's recognizable, but it sounds like bigger and and yeah. better and modern and it's great. Um, uh, presentationally, this game is almost flawless so yeah. far. Yeah. Uh, my main thing is, uh, and I know this is just sort of a Square Enix thing, so like that we've talked about also with Kingdom Hearts three a year ago. Um, English speakers don't do that weird anime grunting thing. Uh, like we don't do that thing where like someone says something and we go, oh, or, like that. That's uh, the, uh, there's a uh, lot of that in uh, this, uh, and it's uh, just and it's like weird little uh, things that uh, don't uh, quite translate. Uh, where like, like Barrett makes a joke about how old asks how old Cloud is, and Cloud misunderstands him and says that he's a soldier rank one or whatever. Yeah. And Barrett's like, oh, maybe your soldier ranks is your age, and you're one year old. Ha ha ha. Oh, and then Cl- oh, oh. and Cloud's all embarrassed by it. I'm like, that's no one would ever say that in English. Like that's not a thing anyone would say or do or react that way. It's just it just pulls me right out of it. It's so it's I play when I capture very footage. Weird. When I capture footage, I turn down the background music because it makes it much easier to edit with the footage later. And like the footage that I captured of this will end up being used for years. Like mm-hmm. when I need something for Pactor Factor or any other show that we're doing and I need B roll, I'll go to that B roll that I captured at a really high bit rate and I'll use that. So I always turn down the background music so you can just hear the voice acting and the sound effects. And oh my gosh. Playing this game without no music to kind of cover up what you were talking about, mm-hmm. it's crazy, dude. It's just... Dude, you're right. Like, it felt... and I, My problem with playing this is it. it's hard for me to figure out whether parts of this game were put in there for the people who love the original or not. Now, that doesn't mean that it makes it good or bad. It could make it good or bad to big-time fans of Final Fantasy VII, um, but it's weird. Like, I, that in particular, just it just stands out like a sore thumb, and it makes me wonder if it's just completely intentional. 
And they want to have kind of those callbacks to the older yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, probably, like, the, you know, I've talked to a couple of, like, voice directors who work in anime dubs, and I've asked them how, you know, I know the actors you use don't have to sound like that, so why do they sound like that? And the answer is always, that's how people who consume dubbed anime expect it to sound. Like, you're basically literally making it bad on purpose, because uh, that's that's the that's style expect. people expect. Um I think, and I, I can accept that in something like a Tales game or something, a very anime-looking game, like RPG is fine. This, even Kingdom Hearts to some degree, but this, like, doesn't look like that. It looks photoreal in places. The yeah. production values are so high. To it me, stands out. To me, still using that style of, of voiceover, or even or not even voiceover, because the actors are fine. It's really a style of voice editing. And... To use that in this with the production values as high as they are is like if you recorded the soundtrack with MIDI again. Yeah. It's the world has moved on. It stands out. Make it yeah. match the quality of the rest of the product and stop kowtowing to people that like shitty things. Basically. <laughs> like really, if I'm just being straight up, you want this thing to sell ten million copies instead of five? Make it so like it doesn't see, feel Seem embarrassing like to play it in front of other people. Yeah. How about that? Because yep. the rest of it isn't. The rest of it yeah. looks great. Yeah. Let's talk about the combat. So as Mitch mentioned, uh, there are several ways to play mm-hmm. this game. There's no one right way or wrong way, I guess. I played with the default, which is basically real-time combat with pausing. Um, so the square button is just your hack and slash button, for lack of mm-hmm. a better phrase. And then if you want to pause time and use spells or special abil- abilities, you tap the X button. And that pauses time. And then it brings up a menu, and you can select from your spells. You can select from your special abilities. Um, additionally, um, you can use the triangle button to kind of go into heavy attack mode. Mm. Um, you do a lot more damage that way, but you can't really move. It's, you're almost like a tripod. Um, so you have to make sure that you don't enact that unless you're close to enemies. Otherwise, it's very awkward when <laughs> you enact it, and their enemies like 20 feet away. Um, but there, and then you can you can play it in classic mode. Uh, as Mitch said, you can set up hotkeys, so you don't have to use kind of the stop and pause menu that I yeah, use. Yeah, I switched to using like the shoulder button shortcut stuff pretty fast because the the hitting X and switching through all the menu stuff just felt like it was stopping everything dead. And I, like, it's all, also how all you, the, you how you cure with yeah, potions. All the momentum and, went away, and so I just started using the, the hotkey shortcuts much more. Um, ex- except when, like, if something was, like, in, like, oh, I need to make sure I get this right or whatever, like, I'd do that. But, like, because um, to be fair, it doesn't play itself. Like, you can miss with oh, yeah. your abilities and yeah. stuff like that. So it's... it's I it's, mean, the auto lock's pretty generous. Like, I don't manually yeah. use, like, the, the the enemy focus. No, but he by default, he does lock on just yeah. whatever it's got. And actually, if you go in the... It's, I don't know why this isn't the way it is by default. If you go in and you can turn on, like, I think it's, like, free free combat or free combo or something... You turn that on, you can control the direction he attacks in mid combo with the stick. Ah. Like he doesn't lock, he doesn't lock on sticky the way he does normally. Um, you can you can play it almost like Devil May Cry. Okay, like you can you can direct him in mid combo in mid slash, and it feels like a much more responsive. Yeah. Um, action game, basically. I feel so like that, controls... I think that should be on by default. I understand they're, they're limiting that because they want it to be simple for people, but like it feels so much better when you turn the free combat on. That it was night and day to me. Um, Even, that would, if you didn't know that was there, it would be maybe would be worth playing it again just right. to, to put that option on and see how you feel about it because it, it makes it a much more naturalistically feeling action game. Now, even playing on the default default setting as I did, um, the actual hacking and slashing feels really responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when I hit that button, that action is there and it's 
lightning fast. However, we we talk a lot of the time a lot of times about relaying the the sense of impact in video games and how it's this kind of weird nebulous intangible thing that you don't, you don't, you don't know how to do it, but you know it when you see it. We mm-hmm. talk about headshots and loot shooters a lot of the time. How is, some are very satisfying, some aren't. Uh, in action games, there are some games where it feels very satisfying to hit something with a sword, and there are other games that don't necessarily relay that. I would argue this game does not relay that back well. The combat, again, responsive, but I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm seeing on the screen. I don't, I think did I, you feel that way at all? I felt like I felt like it, the feedback on hitting things was pretty good. I felt like I didn't have a lot of feedback when I was getting hit. That's true. Like that That's was true. That's that a good was point too. Not so much in the final boss battle because the bo- when you're getting hit by that boss is really obvious because it affects your balance and knocks and it blows you back down and stuff. Yeah. But in kind of fighting the standard enemies, I I had lost more health than I thought I had a couple of uh, several times. I'm like, oh, that was way down than I thought yeah. it was. Um, so I felt like I, I didn't get a lot of feedback on when Cloud was getting hit, but I did feel like I, my feedback on hitting them was pretty solid. I, I was, um, I could tell when I was hitting them. It, I, there was a marked difference between like when I was doing a lot of damage and not doing enough damage, so I needed to switch to the punishment mode. Like it was, uh, I felt like it was pretty close to there. Okay. Um, especially once I turned the free combat thing on. Interesting. Like that, like Maybe that really that. shifted because I felt less locked into sort of what I had to focus, like him automatically focusing on enemies and like sort of not being able to pull out of a combo and sort of redirect him if I wanted him to go attack another thing that was about to hit me. I felt like I wasn't getting blindsided as much because I had more freedom and to decide where my attacks went. Um, so I thought, I thought that improved uh, just the feel of the game tremendously once I figured out that option was there. Um, and I honestly didn't have problems with playing it on the default setting. I kind of liked that mix of real-time and turn-based. Um, once you once I got used to it and I got good and I kind of knew how many times I had to tap down to get to each spell and how many times I had to tap down to get to the potions, um, it didn't bother me that much. And I liked kind of the strategic element that pausing it brought because you could hit the X and it, it doesn't stop time. It just slows it down drastically. So there's a still little sense of urgency there. Um, but then you actually have time to kind of look at each enemy in your field of view and kind of assess which one's the bigger threat, which one you want to use your magic on. Uh, so then you unleash your magic, and then maybe you go to the other one and you use your sword. Um, I kind of enjoyed uh, the way that they had it set up by default. Um, but I am going to give the other ways to go as well to see if maybe I like them more. Um, but, that, but that's why I love this combat system so much. When they announced this at E3, um, offering the choice, I think is something that fans probably wanted for a long time because they wanted turn-based or they wanted full action. This kind of gives you an option. If I want to do full action, I can go all action. But like you were saying, it gives you an opportunity to be strategic. So it kind of marries the two, and I think it's a great way to try it. And if it works out really well, who knows? It could go in the future games. Yeah, and then some of the like bigger enemies in the game, um, you can't really topple them unless you use magic. Mm-hmm. I wasn't using it that much, to be honest with you, just on the fly, fighting rank-and-file enemies. Um, but some bosses, you have to hit them with a specific element to kind of stagger them or disable them. Um, one of, like, the mini-boss needed a fire spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, this end boss that we're about to see here in a minute needs the thunder spell. Um, so you do have to keep your, keep your eye on that. You also have to swap characters pretty frequently. 
um, like during this one boss fight, if it picks up your character that you're playing as, you have to switch to the other character very quickly to try to get them to release the one that got picked up. Um, so there is some kind of on-the-fly yeah. party mechanics. And here you see that, like, you know, you can't reach this guy without Barrett because yep. Barrett's ranged and Cloud can't touch the turrets on the on the ceiling. Yep. Although... <laughs> He tries. He, he attempts it. There's yeah. a sec. There's a section coming up here where the camera just goes completely bonkers. Well, um, you can use fire, and it will reach it. Yeah, your spells do yeah. have a with range with cloud. You can do a spell, and then it yeah, but I don't. It. I don't use spells unless I have to. I didn't uh, use them at all in, until I needed to, mm-hmm. and then once they told me, I started using them. Um, but yeah, it's not necessary. You can play this game. It seems like what we've played so far, just using yeah. your sword. I do feel like the camera is too close. Most well, you can time. see here where the camera just not, goes well. Not even just this, but I think just running around. I felt like I felt like the camera's a little claustrophobic. Well, the other problem too is that sometimes the game takes over the camera to show you something the way it wants you to see it, mm. but it still has, lets you have control of the camera. So it'll start like doing a pan, and I can like manipulate it while and it gets. There's there's some awkward stuff mm. in here with the camera. This is, for sure. this is a, one of the weirder things in here, and I'm not a obviously not a Final Fantasy VII purist because I don't particularly like the game in the first place. But one of the weird changes here is that in the original game, they plant the bomb, they fight the boss, the bomb has a timer on it, they have to get out before their bomb blows up and destroys the reactor. And here you can choose how long the timer is. You can do that in the the original too. Which he does say something different, which which option you choose. The trick here is in the original, the bomb works. In this, the bomb doesn't work. And... The reason the reactor is destroyed is because Shinra blows it up themselves. They they basically cause their their sentry robot things to to shoot their lasers everywhere and destroy the place, even though the 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 bomb that that uh, Avalanche sets doesn't go off. They think it does. Yeah. But it it felt like a weird change to like make sure our heroes aren't actually terrorists or something. It felt like it felt like a weird thing to do to make it Shinra's fault instead of like. You know, there's there's a moral gray area in the original game, which I'm I hate giving the original game like narrative credit for <laughs> any of this stuff because I think it's a terrible story for the most part. Yeah. But that part was interesting. They never followed up on it in any interesting way. But the idea that you started out literally as a bunch of eco terrorists and not really understanding whether they were good or not or correct about what they believed or not was an interesting hook for the beginning part of the game. And with that gone. It, it, with this, it makes me wonder what the new hook is. Yeah. Like, is it just like Shinra's bad? You I know, mean, I don't I'll, know. I'll be honest, the, the writing and the plot in this were big turnoffs for me. I think the writing's terrible. It feels like it's written for like a fifth grade level. Um, I don't know. The voice acting was a turnoff. Um, if I were going to play this for the story, I would not be very excited to play it, or mm. the voice acting or the writing. I would be very excited to play it. But I actually just enjoyed playing this. Believe yeah, it or not. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't b- that bad to play. Uh, it makes me wonder how you sustain this combat yeah. system over 40 it's hours. It's not very deep. That's the um, problem. Like, I assume each character is going to have their own permutation of how this works for them, and so yeah. you're going to have to want to switch between them for particular f- enemies. I assume at some yeah. point there will be bosses that... Because um, clearly they're not afraid to change up how the bosses work because the, the boss in this doesn't work exactly the same way. I mean, it's recognizable as the boss from the original game, but it's not the same fight. Um, I can see places where, like, you have to switch intelligently between the different characters because they have different abilities that can get you into the weak spot of this boss, and then you have to switch over to this other character that would be the best one to attack them when they're staggered, that kind of thing. Um, hmm? 
Well, you also notice that the ATP bar doesn't go as high if you're not controlling that character. So mm -hmm. the strategic switching of characters probably is what you need to do to be able to maximize the um, what the enemy is weak to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the combat just to me just does not have enough depth. It's like you have one button that you hammer for most of your attacks, which is a square, and there's kind of auto combos that fire off. And then if you want to do the bigger attacks, you hit triangle, and that's pretty much it. Um, so you just mostly you just end up spamming square for the most part um, during combat. And then when you you're ready to unleash more your more powerful attacks after you've staggered an enemy, then you unleash with the triangle attacks. But Overall, the combat isn't that deep, so you're right. While it did pacify me during this 35 or 40-minute demo, I do wonder mm. when you're talking about 40, 50 hours if there's going to be... Yeah. I mean, the hope, uh, the hope is that it opens up more yeah. as you move forward and yep. gain more, more diverse characters. Yep. So are you more excited to play the final version or less excited to play the final version after playing this demo? I mean, about even, yeah. I would say. I, mean, I, I would say it's about what I expected. Yeah. I mean, I had also I played this before. I expected kind of a, a permutation of, of sort of Kingdom Hearts meets Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, and, that's uh, a it's good pretty way to describe it. where it is. Yep. I mean, it's, the combat is vastly better than Final Fantasy 15. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah it's, about, it's about where I thought it would be. Um, I had hoped that the, the, the voice editing would be a little less anime dub but yeah. I mean it is what it is um, that's a good way to put it I guess but other than that presentationally other than that it's gorgeous amazing yeah um, I do wonder about you know, you know obviously it uh, it stops at you know it only covers Midgar you know it's part one of whatever mm -hmm. even though the box doesn't say that it doesn't yeah um, you know red red 13 is not playable red 12 whatever I don't remember what his number is um, the the cat isn't playable because you don't get to him <laughs> yeah. in, in this version. Well, yeah. Um, makes me wonder when the next one will be. You know. Yeah. It's it's just uh, it's it's such a big question mark. Like, will they finish this in time to have it even end on PS4 as well as PS5? Well, you know, I don't. It's it's a weird situation to be. It's taken so long. Uh, but it's it, you know, I, I'd say in the most for the most part, I think if you were really invested in looking forward to this it feels like it's delivering exactly what they said it was yeah i be. think hardcore fans of final fantasy 7 probably are splooging all over themselves over this demo uh judging by how angry they are at chris kohler yes <laughs> that, that, is, that is definitely happening mitch what about you do you are you more excited for it or less excited for it now that you played the demo um i'm actually more excited because i liked how the combat system was shown at e3 last year and to now actually get hands-on with it and it's everything that i was expecting it to be in that aspect um and i do like the slight change in the story maybe that's gonna play more into shinra and give them a little bit more hardiness to that part of the story so it lasts that 60 hours okay so there you go. That's the Final Fantasy VII demo. Um, the last look we're going to get at the game before it comes out probably, um, and it's not long. It's a PS4 exclusive still. Uh, rumors are swirling that it's going to come to PC. They've been swirling for a while. We've got no official confirmation of that. Uh, to me, it would make more sense on Switch, but obviously that game's going to have a lot of problems running on the Switch hardware. So... Um, for right now, PlayStation 4 exclusive, if you don't have a PS4 by now, and who doesn't at this point, um, and you're a big Final Fantasy fan, might be time to go try to find a deal over the next couple weeks. Uh, just keep an eye on our deals channel. We always curate any deals and for what is hardware. It, April 10th? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you got about a month and a week to go. 
Um, that's enough time to find yourself a cheap PS4. Maybe yeah. you can find one on eBay or something if you're really excited to play it. Um, I am going to play the final version. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't to the level where it turned me off so much that I lost interest in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are elements of it I don't like. There are elements I was pleasantly surprised by, like the responsiveness of the combat after Final Fantasy XV was a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, technically, I knew it was gorgeous already. Uh, seeing it running in real time, like instead of at a trade show, like mm-hmm. on my own TV with my own surround sound, definitely made an impact. Uh, gorgeous game. Um, still lots of mystery left behind mm-hmm. this, which is good. Uh, a lot of times, if we're talking about a game a month before it comes out, we know everything already. Yeah. I'm also interested in like to see sort of this story play out in with competent presentation because you know this, the original was such a kind of bridge game between like a Frankenstein almost old, yeah because like, you hadn't gotten away from this uh, like that opening scene with Eris and I'm going to call her Eris because that's, <laughs> that's what her freaking name was when I played the game in 1997 um, and I don't have a lisp so I'm not going to say <laughs> Aerith. Um when she's looking when she gets up and leaves the, the leaking Mako area mm-hmm. like it never came across to me in the original game that she's supposed to be like reacting to anything. Oh, because um, they were just big eyes with no mouth. There was no yeah, yeah. expression. There was no <laughs> real way to tell what anyone was thinking, uh-huh. and just the ability to see what's happening on their faces as this stuff is happen is is going on is already an enhancement. Yep. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how this story plays out uh, with a little more verve in the production value. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even Final Fantasy VIII was better at that because the characters looked like human beings. So. Yep, it's true. All right, so that's it for the Final Fantasy VII demo. It's time to get to some Q&A. Uh, if you guys want to ask us a question live on the stream, uh, make sure you go at Sifted Games in the chat. It'll make it a lot easier for us to kind of pick out questions from you guys. Um, just as we wait for some questions to roll in here, a couple notes. Um, Pactor Factor is changing drastically. I've mentioned it a few times. Uh, we put up the last episode of Pactor Factor, as you guys know it, um, this past weekend. Um, and from here forward, Pactor Factor is going to be basically daily. Um, we're going to be publishing four episodes a week. It's just going to be one topic per episode. We get a lot of complaints from people saying, I don't want to watch a full episode of Pactor Factor because there's always a question or two that I don't care about in there. This is going to give you guys the opportunity to watch or not watch whatever questions of Pactor Factor that you want. It's also an opportunity, obviously, for us to uh, keep uh, regular content flowing through the site. Uh, like I said earlier, a new episode of Sifted HQ went up today. Hope you guys like that. Um, and those are going to keep rolling. And there was a new segment in there this week that wasn't in the one before, and it's going to keep going that way. There's always going to be something new in Sifted HQ. You never know what's going to be in the show. Uh, One other final note, um, if you are watching this on YouTube and you're a fan of Pactor Factor, um, if you're a Twitch Prime subscriber, you now get Pactor Factor a week early. Um, So there's incentive now, other than just trying to help us out, you'll actually get Pactor Factor earlier as if you were a patron. So there you go. Let's see if we've got any questions in here. Um, The first one, how appropriate, Matt. Well, actually, there's Mm -hmm. a bunch up here, but I want to ask this one first because you were just talking about it. Congrim one. Are either of you guys going to play Grand Blue Fantasy Versus? Yeah, I wanted to play he tried. It for this week, but they didn't put the <laughs> they didn't put it up for pre order on PSN. It went live to buy for the first time to this morning at like eight AM and I didn't have time to play it then. Yeah. So I'll talk about that next week. Yep. It'll be on the show next week for sure. Which is for those of you who don't know, it is a fighting game 
set in the Grand Blue Fantasy universe created by Arc System Works, the same team that did Dragon Ball Fighters. So, mm-hmm. pedigree there out the wazoo. It's been flying under the radar. I have a feeling once it comes out, it'll start building some ground. Yeah, at the very least, you'll see a lot of gifts because it's a beautiful <laughs> game. It is gorgeous, absolutely. Or I would say, go watch Sifted HQ, and you might hear about that game on there. You might, absolutely. Um, let's see, Eth Demon, Larian Studios being such a good fit for the return of Baldur's Gate 3, name and explain, you sound like a teacher, mm. name and explain an old IP with a current studio you think should do it and why. Hmm. So an old IP, but a new studio. Um, and a currently existing studio. Yeah, that's a tough one. Let me think. Um, hmm. Let me think. I, I, I go to this a lot. But I'm a big fan of Tribes, and they tried to revive Tribes a couple years ago. It was a pretty poorly failed experiment. So I would love to see a big shooter studio like a Bungie or a Treyarch or one of these – or a Sledgehammer. Any of these studios that are making really good first-person shooters, um, I would love to see them take on Tribes. Mm. Uh, Because I already think Tribes is, like, one of the best shooters ever. Um, and it was made by this little, small team. Um, so I would be interested to see what could become of Tribes if it had a big budget and it had really good developers behind it. I would like to see uh, Double Damage Games, which made uh, Rebel Galaxy and Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, be given the X-Wing and TIE Fighter license. Oh, that makes sense. That would actually be great. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Can't uh, believe we still don't have any of those games again. <laughs> Even just remasters. EA. Yeah. Come on. Now the hype train's up to level four. We're getting close. We're 22% on level four. Uh, Commander Fett, would you ever want to partner with someone like Easy Allies and help make content and promote each other? Of course. Of course. We're open to working with anybody, to be honest with you. Um, any publication that wants to do any crossover, if they want to come on our shows, they want us to come on theirs, we're all about reaching new audiences. And while I would say that probably most of the Easy Allies audience has uh, is aware of Sifted, uh, I, there's probably a lot of people there that aren't. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I would love to work with either of them. Um, we've had obviously had Brandon on here. We've had Bloodworth on on the site before. They've never invited me to do anything, though. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe you should ask him. Garage is only so big. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, they don't, they're not in garage anymore. They're in a gigantic studio <laughs> now. Uh, from SJD Swanland, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Valiant comics, Matt, but there are there any characters or series like Bloodshot, Harbinger, or Exo Man of War you would like to see brought into video game form, and how? I may have asked this before, but I forgot. I don't think you have, actually. Uh, no, I mean, I'm very familiar with Valiant. That was hot when I was working in the comic store when I was a teenager. Um, I mean, the Valiant character that was brought into video game form the most successfully is Turok. Um, that's right. I forgot that was so a Valiant Turok, comic. the dinosaur hunter. Yeah, comes that's from, right. Comes from Valiant. Yep. Um, I mean, Exo Man War did have a video game crossover with Iron Man on the Saturn and PS1, which was not a great moment. I do not remember that. <laughs> uh, they, they Those things clogged up shelves for years. After. I mean, they, I remember they were clearing those things out on Saturn. Like, <laughs> those, those were some of the last games left to be sold off for Saturn in, in game. In like Madden 64? Yeah. <laughs> just um, every used store you go to, there's just piles of them. I mean, I think there's probably uh, room for a good Exo Man War game. Uh, it's just I don't know who would care. Like, maybe yeah, it's not an IP that people no. are familiar with. Maybe there's a there's a, a a window here that could happen if the Bloodshot movie is is a successful venture here that with Vin Diesel. Um, the fact that 
they're making a movie out of a Valiant character and it's Bloodshot is mind shredding to me. Like that is crazy that Bloodshot is getting a goddamn movie. Like I can't, I can't, I, can't. <laughs> I just can't. Um, yeah, I mean I like Valiant. I reread them a few, read them all a few years ago. Um, I don't know. Like I think Turok has already sort of won that fight. I guess you could make a pretty good Ninjak game if you just made like a Tenchu game with a techno ninja. Yeah. Um, it's all there. Armoring. There was an Armorines game on the N64. Yeah, I remember that? that. Yeah, that was Valiant. Well, I didn't um, know that was based on a comic. Yeah. Wow, wow! I can't believe you pulled that out. Yeah, of your brain. Armorines. Armorines. That's impressive. I I put a lot of <laughs> put a lot of Valiant comics in bags and boards in my lifetime. Uh, J Reed Vic Seven. Thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. Appreciate it. Um, here's a question from Bobby Budnick. If you had to put a date on it. When do you think Horizon Zero Dawn will be out on PC? Also, could you see other Sony first-party titles released for PC, say, a year after launch? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean... They... I wouldn't say a year. I'd say longer than that. No, but... less. They did... Dude, Death Stranding's coming out, like... Yeah, Death Stranding... This is a weird scenario. I don't... See, here's the... Th- I Didn't think... that blow your mind how early it's coming out on PC? They must have seen the marketing uh, forecast. Um, I mean, they ha- must have, yeah. And then Hor- I think Horizon's happening because of the same engine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this... Signals a sea change toward putting big, big name PlayStation exclusives on PC. I think they all are going to um, come. I think you're right, though. I think the, I the don't think exclusivity will. period will be longer than Death Stranding for be sure. Be longer than a year. Uh, I don't like. I don't think you're going to see God of War or Spider Man on yeah, PC. Yeah, there might be certain properties. Like, who's going to make that? Yeah. Who's going to port that? Who are you going to trust to port that if you don't put the, you know? Then the main Insomniac and Santa Monica have better things to do than put up a, put up ports of a PC version yeah. that's going to sell two hundred thousand copies. Like this yeah. is not. Well, a thing. some some of their games have um, an, an opportunity to sell more than that. Excuse not too me. much. Uh, I, I, PC PC sales are not. They're not console sales. That's well, one of the it's they don't hard care. to know because they don't. A lot of the sales aren't tracked. They're tracked well enough that we know they're you know million sellers on PC are uncommon yeah. unless they're exclusives unless they're very PC centric ideas. Yep. Um, Horizon Zero Save. Dawn, my guess would be this fall, um, somewhere kind of alongside the PS5 maybe. Sound uh, Wizard again, thank you man for giving out all these gift subs. You are the freaking man. So I, w- I would guess we'd see the PC version of Zero Dawn this year, late this year. That's what I would say. Yep. Q4. Um. Wolfox 10C, predictions for the Resident Evil 3 demo date drop. April. Mid-April. Yeah. That's my guess. That makes sense. I mean... I, mean, I, have, I have absolutely no proof of that, but I'm just saying mid-April. When you think about the timing of the game's actual release, yeah, it makes sense. I'm sorry, Mitch, you say something? The game's out April 3rd. Oh, it is? Is it? That soon? Yeah, because it's seven days after that, it's Final Fantasy, mm. and then seven days after that... Or and then maybe next week we were gonna get. And maybe well, like in two weeks, I would guess. I was gonna say three, three, like March third, but we passed the third of March. That's yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, that did make too much sense, though, Mitch. You're right. You have ten hours to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, not Cirque going out to L.A. tomorrow. What are some good barcades and gaming centers? Uh, go to eighty two. Well, right here. No, <laughs> there are no pinball machines. There aren't. Yeah. Go to eighty two. Yep. Downtown. Yeah. A lot of good games, some fun, like, weird drinks, and a uh, huge pinball selection. Yeah, which is always ace for me. That's what I go to arcades for, because that's the mm-hmm. one thing you can only get at arcades still. Yeah, there's also, if, you, if you're if you willing to go outside the city, like, a little, little bit east into San Gabriel Valley, there's a giant uh, arcade center at a mall uh, east of the city called Round One. 
uh, tons of stuff, like huge, huge, like old style arcade, lots of imported Japan only, like rhythm games and dance games and stuff. If you're into that kind of thing, um, go go check out Round One if you have a car and the ability to get out east. Yeah, look, if any of you guys ever come to LA. Let me know. Send me a DM. I've already met with many sifters who have come to L.A. for vacation or whatever. Uh, we go out and we have lunch and we talk about games and we have fun for a day. Uh, I'm always down to meet you guys. Um, so if any of you guys come to L.A. or you know you're coming to L.A., uh, give me a heads up. DM me on the site and we'll get connected and we'll do lunch or something. Um, Emperor Dread, what D&D megastars do you reckon will appear in Baldur's Gate 3? Drizzt, Elminster, Lolf? I mean, I think we'll definitely see Drizzt. Yeah. He's kind of has to. He's kind of a staple in yeah. the Baldur's Gate games. Yep. As like a bonus character or a cameo. Yeah. Um Wolf Fox and what's another one of his? Matt, are you going to check out Neo Two? Of course. So Neo Two is a part of Sifted HQ today. Yeah. I don't know if I'll finish it, but I'll I'll play it. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Mitch likes it too. I do not have to jump on that grenade. I'm very happy about that. Uh again, Sound Wizard, thank you, man for all these uh, subs that you're giving out to our crew. It's really awesome. Um, Big Dave Lazard says RE Demo on the 13th. Uh, Friday the 13th is a pretty good guess for that. It, next makes a lot, it does make a lot of sense. Yep. Um, Aussie Brit 2000, thank you for Twitch Prime. It's awesome. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. There's a couple other questions, but... Um, Jay Reed Vic says there's a sale on Amazon right now for a PS4 bundle with God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn for 268. Yeah. That's a deal. Can't, can't do better that, than that if yeah. you need a PS4 for Final Fantasy. Absolutely. There you go. Um, I'm assuming that's on Sifted. I did not do any curation today. Although if that's a vanilla PS4, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good I, point. I, if I was going to buy a PS4 now, it'd definitely be a Pro. Yeah, yeah. But if you can get that for 260 and the Pros like 350 with a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd probably go with the base model. Uh, I would never go with the base model. Well, if you're getting in this late, yeah. I don't know. I want, I want the performance. I don't know I don't know what Final Fantasy VII is going to look like on a vanilla PS4. Yeah. That thing's pushing some pushing some polys. Yep. So let's see how we did. Ah, an hour and a half. I said an hour to an hour and a half, and we mm-hmm. got it about an hour and a half. I'll take that for our first foray mm-hmm. into making the show shorter. Um, I Look, I did see some comments from some people are upset that the show is going to be shorter. Some people are excited that the show is going to be shorter. I would say it seemed like more people were excited it was going to be shorter, although it's close. Um, and look, you guys aren't going to really understand uh, the true power of the, the true power of the changes until the games start coming out and you can start watching our deep dives. Um, and we just aren't having releases yet. But trust me, um, the way we're going to handle our deep dives are going to be way better than the way we handled talking about games for 30 minutes on Game Face. Just trust me on this one, people. Uh, they're going to be worth it. And you're still going to get an hour, an hour and a half out of us every week here as well. So thanks to everybody on the stream for hanging out. Thanks for Sound Wizard for giving out all those freaking subs. Uh, as I said earlier, if you subscribe via Twitch Prime, you get Pactor Factor a week early now. That's a big deal. That's a big shift for us. Pactor Factor going daily starting next week. There's a new episode of Sifted HQ up right now. Um, we're we're going to have an episode of Spoiled later in the week. Uh, hopefully you guys are seeing all the changes that we've made are for the better and for the good, and you're enjoying them. So on behalf of Mitch, who's on shower duty, and, and Matt Kyle, I'm Shane. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>